Welcome to the Truth Be Known podcast, bringing you the objective truth boldly, candidly, and without apology. Welcome to this week's episode. Well, welcome back to another episode of the Truth Be Known podcast. I'm Nathaniel Jolly. And I'm Eki Tepsapornchai. Brother, it's good to have you back. And in, in fact, we were going to try to do this recording because <laughs> you came and visited with my wife and I. Yeah, First trip to yeah. Alaska, I think, right? That's right. That's right. First trip to Alaska. A lot, a lot of the first time fishing, first time shooting, um, all of that in the beautiful state of Alaska. Yeah, it was a fun time. And um, I, I couldn't figure out how to do the sound equipment. And so uh, he, here we are. You're back in the very hot state of California. Uh, and I'm freezing cold in my office here in Alaska. So, <laughs> yeah. Now, to be fair, um, you didn't have a lot of time to figure that out. Uh, we, we um, on the last day. So this was the day that I was going to leave. That Alice and I were going to fly out. Uh, we were going to try to record um, a Truth Be Known podcast that morning, um, but uh, we needed spe- special equipment to be able to support two microphones and all that, and the software had to be set set up the right way. And so we uh, we were just trying to figure that out on the fly, and we just didn't have enough time. Yeah, I learned I'm not a sound guy. So uh, if you want to um, move to Alaska to help a church plant and be a sound guy, you know, shoot there me an go. email. But anyway, well, brother, today, uh, interesting topic and especially interesting because I ran a few polls on social media um, and the topic centers around lying. This was an interesting one for me, right? So we asked uh, the question, is it always um, sinful to lie? You know, is lying always a sin? We asked, uh, can God lie? Asked a few other questions. Let's just open it up. What does God say about lying? Is it okay? Is this a situational ethics question? Sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. It just depends on what the outcome is. Or is this a clear thing? Or is this just sort of um, hard, hard to tell from Scripture? Well, we, we always want to start with what is clear from Scripture. So we know from the Ten Commandments, you shall not uh, bear false witness. We see that in the Ten Commandments. And I think of First Peter chapter 2, when Peter says, put aside all malice, all deceit. And, and deceit uh, would fall into that kind of same category. Uh, we think about the character of God. We think about um, the, the, the commandments that uh, we have in addition to those two that, that I mentioned. And, and what we can say is this, that for those who think there are situations where you can you're not going to get that from scripture. Um, what you're going to get are narrative passages where you had mm-hmm. um, imperfect people acting in what I believe to be imperfect ways. Um, so we we know from scripture, scripture does not in, in any way, shape or form say that there are certain exceptions to what God, God calls us to do in being in being a testimony for him. Yeah, absolutely, brother. And let me just read the results of these polls, and we'll kind of touch on some of the things that you just mentioned here, because I think they're very important. And let me say on the offset, um, you know, this this is one of those things where we've developed sort of a white lie culture, even within the church, and lying isn't seen as, uh, you know, such a a, a terrible thing before God is like abortion or some of these other um, more... I, I guess, kind of outlandish, showy sins. Um, so on on the poll that I ran on, and I, I did both of these on Twitter, The one of them was, can God lie? I'll get to that one in a moment. The other one was, is lying always sinful? So we had almost 1,200 uh, answers. 61% of people said yes. 
lying is always sinful, right? 39% of people said no. No, lying is not always sinful. That's 466 people out of that 1,200. So we got a bunch of liars out there. Um, Makes me not sure which one of you guys I can believe or not. I I say that only partly in jest. It it is actually a bit saddening to me. Um, And and I think, to be fair, in part, I think folks just haven't really thought this through. And so what we kind of want to do in this podcast is really um, help you understand how to come to uh, biblical ethics and scripture and then how to apply those uh, right to our, our day-to-day life. So 61% said yes, 31% said no. It's not always a lot of sin. Now, the other poll was, can God lie? Now, this is interesting because these polls short of, uh, sort of kind of show contradictory um, information. Can God lie? Now, we only had, I only had 516 uh, folks respond to that, but 98% said no, God cannot lie. Right. And yeah, and only, yeah and that, <clears throat> that's right. And only 2% uh, said yes, um, God can lie. And so uh, almost, you know, a little less than uh, half said that lying is not always sinful. And yet the vast majority of people recognize that it's something God cannot do. Now, that's interesting. Yeah, that is. Um, and you were intentional about making that the last of the three that you asked, weren't you? Absolutely. Yeah, I did these uh, in order with, with purpose. Um, now, so, so for, for those 2% that say God um, can or does tell lies, um, that is strictly unbiblical. Um, so, I mean, we see in the scriptures that God cannot tell a lie. He, he is not like man. So, God um, always tells the truth. Now, we do see areas in scripture that we do wrestle with. For instance, God sends deceitful spirits. Uh, we see that uh, in the Old Testament, but God himself uh, cannot tell a lie. But it is interesting that at least in that poll, the majority of people understood what is true about God himself. So the question now is, I think the next logical question is, if God cannot tell a lie, um, then how is it that we justify that we can? Yeah, absolutely. So <clears throat> I, I've got a few scripture verses here. You mentioned earlier that, um, you know, we have to go to scripture for what's true, right? First and foremost. And so, you know, this is with um, any of uh, biblical ethical questions, uh, with doctrine, with any theology, with any teaching of scripture, we have to let the Bible define what's right and wrong before we then go to circumstances, uh, right? The, the absolute worst thing you can ever do is base your doctrine, base your ethics, basic, uh, base morals on what happens in a circumstance, right? Our eyes can lie to us. Our perceptions are shallow as human beings. We never have the full picture of what's going on. And so it's very easy for us to get in a situation and come to a wrong conclusion, Right. Um, and, and so we always want to start from Scripture and say, what does God say about this? What does God say about that? And then we apply that knowledge, that absolute truth to our circumstances, to our living. So just a few passages here. Proverbs twelve twenty two, And I just want to make the case for what Scripture says about lying. Uh, Proverbs twelve twenty two: The Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in people who are trustworthy. Colossians 3, 9, do not lie to one another since you laid aside the old self with its evil 
practices. So here you have lying attributed to the old self and it being evil. Uh, Proverbs 6, 16 through 19. There are six things which the Lord hates. Yes, seven which are an abomination to him. Seven which are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue. Second thing mentioned, a lying tongue. Hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that run rapidly to evil. Um, John eight forty four. Uh, I've just got a few more, but I want to make the case. Right, the scripture is not uh, unclear on this. John eight forty four. You are of your father, the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth. There is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. I mean, you can't get around that, right? Just a couple more. Acts 5.3. I mean, I want to hit people square you know, between the eyes with this. Uh, but Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? and to keep back some of the price of the land. Now, if you're not familiar with the story of Ananias and Sapphira, this is what a lot of us today would consider a a white lie, just a little lie, right? So everyone were selling their possessions. They were bringing them to the apostles uh, to distribute amongst those in need. And here's Ananias and Sapphira who uh, willingly sold some property. They could have kept whatever portion for themselves that they wanted to, but instead Uh, They presented as though they were giving everything, right? Um, And so they lied about the amount. And the apostle apostle says, well, you, you haven't lied to me. You've lied to the Holy Spirit. And what was God's response to this little white lie? He killed them on the spot. Um, Not only just Ananias, but then his wife comes after him. And, and, you know, the apostle says, tell me, did you sell the land for this much? And she says, yes, right? Lying in agreement with her husband. And he says, you know, uh, the, the same uh, the same people that just carried your husband out are now going to carry you out. And she drops down dead on the spot. Right. So what we would call a little white lie wasn't so little in that situation. A uh, couple more. Psalm 122. Deliver my soul, O Lord, from lying lips, from a deceitful tongue. Here's the psalmist pleading with God um, it, it, to keep him from lie and deceit. Numbers 23. 19. I mean, you spoke to this. I mean, clearly, uh, so it says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of a man that he should repent, um, right? So, we see here, uh, again, that contrast, Titus 1-2, again, in the hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised long ages ago. Um, Hebrews 11.31, I'll end on this one and turn it over to you, brother. Uh, No, actually, I'll hold off on that. We'll we'll get to that one in a few minutes. But those are just a few of the many, many passages that speak to lying. Yeah, that's that's very clear um, when you look at those passages. And in addition to that, and we've mentioned it before, but it's worth spelling out. There is no place in scripture where we're told uh, we're given any kind of exceptions to when we can lie. Now, I know that some very well-respected theologians, the late R.C. Sproul, made a case that um, those who are um, th- those who are evil um, don't deserve the truth, and um, and and I 
would somewhat agree with that, but um, not giving someone the truth that they want to know is not the same thing as lying. And we can talk about that as well. But we don't uh, see anywhere in scripture where it defines certain exceptions where it's okay to say something that uh, that isn't true. And I think of Jesus in Mark chapter seven, when he talks about the problem of the heart, how there's nothing outside that can defile you. It's what's inside. And what he says in Mark chapter seven, verse 21, for from within, out of the heart of man proceeds the evil thoughts, fornications, thefts, murders, adulteries, deeds of coveting and wickedness, as well as deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these evil things proceed from within and defile the man. And then I had mentioned First um, Peter chapter 2. And if you think about the context of First Peter, it's, it's very um, helpful because Peter is writing to a group of Christians that are concerned about the persecution of Christians that began under Nero for a fire that they did not start in Rome. He's writing to those outside thinking it's going to, be, it's going to reach uh, them. At least the Christians are concerned about that. And when we go back to the letter of Peter, and I had mentioned this, but Peter is very instructive to us, the context of that letter. Peter is writing to a group of Christians outside of Rome who are concerned that persecution that started in Rome is going to reach out to them. And we often think that in the face of evil, this is the time where we can justify evil actions. Um, but Peter in First Peter chapter 2, he says, therefore, putting aside all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander like newborn babes, long for the pure milk of the word. So, Peter doesn't even make any concessions either. So, we recognize just from the commandments of Scripture, Scripture never makes concessions to us. Um, instead, we have narrative passages. And of course, for those of us who, anyone who's gone through any kind of, um, either through seminary or any kind of Bible training, you understand that narrative passages are not prescriptive, but rather descriptive. And we recognize that even the greatest men of God throughout the scriptures fell short. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good point, brother. And it, and again, it, you know, and so we see the clear in scripture, and this is just, you know, one of the very uh, basic principles of interpreting scripture, right? You, you use the very clear teachings and passage to help you get through those things that are less clear, right? And so, in this instance, well, actually, let me use abortion, right? So, we all understand that murder is wrong. Uh, we all understand that abortion is murder, right? And so, we can say uh, without any hesitancy that there is never a time when abortion is acceptable because murder is unacceptable to God, right? And, and of course, the immediate response from the world is to throw these emotional circumstances and situations, but that doesn't actually matter, right? Because we, we have a clear um, understanding of what is right and wrong uh, from God first. Lying is no different, right? We have a clear understanding of the fact that, you know, just the fact that Satan is the father of lies ought to give us pause. Right. And so the reality is, if you're lying, you are acting more like in that moment, Satan, than you are God, you know, and, yeah. and so that, that's a very heavy thing, but we have to start there. And so what does that mean? It means that when you get to passages in scripture, when you get to circumstances in life, whatever it is you think you're seeing in that passage, what you're not seeing is God allowing sin. Um, it, what you don't see is God blessing sinfulness. So, at the very least, what you would need to say is there's something happening here in this passage 
that I don't understand fully because I know that lying is an abomination before the Lord. I know it's something that he can't even do. So although it may appear this way, it can't be that. And I think that's the most honest way. Um, and then you look for good read help to try to understand what's going on. And you really already gave the answer. There are narrative passages in scripture, which are merely describing what has happened, happened, right? And they're not prescribing everything that happened in that passage. David's a great example, right? Let me, let me use David as an example uh, in the same way some Christians justify lying. Well, David was a man after God's own heart. So, you know what? If uh, I commit adultery and, you know, have the husband killed, it's probably not a big deal because, well, David was a man after God's own heart. Right, right, right. And that's an yeah, absurd yeah. argument. No one would would pay me any attention. But we do that exact same thing with the story of Rahab, right? Yeah, and, uh, you know, some might argue, well, in the case of David, God clearly rebuked him, said uh, the, uh, the prophet uh, Nathan to go and confront him, um, but uh, not so in cases such as Rahab, which you just brought up. Now, Rahab, though, we recognize that Rahab, she was a Canaanite uh, prostitute, a harlot, um, and uh, she actually put her faith into the God of Israel. So at that time, the spies came. Um, she had greater fear for the God of Israel than she did for the Canaanite mm-hmm. gods. And she went ahead and, and volunteered to do whatever she can to help those spies escape. Now, w- what's more significant than the method of, of that, that she chose, which was basically to, to lie to the government officials who came to her, um, was that this was a Canaanite woman who was putting her faith into God. Now, did she have a perfect understanding of everything, his sovereignty and all that? Probably not at that point. Um, but uh, I believe what we're seeing there is a passage of a woman who believes and trusts in God and was thus rewarded. And not only that, but realized that the two spies that were sent from Israel, they also conspired in all this. It wasn't just her. Mm-hmm. Um, they went ahead and said, okay, as long as you lie about where we're going, we're going to go ahead and protect you and, and whatnot. Um, now, we don't hear the voice of God thundering down from heaven saying, how dare you? Um, because the bigger picture here is that we have a Gentile who, um, who who really stands for God, the God of Israel, and she ends up becoming a part um, of Israel afterwards. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, once again, it's a, it's a narrative passage. It's not there to provide commentary for each and every single detail um, that, that occurs there. And, and quite honestly, this is also a reminder to us of the fact that we need to trust in the complete sovereignty of God. Um, Rahab could have very easily told the gods of Israel, I believe that your God is in full control of all things and that we can uh, we can still tell the truth and find a way through mm-hmm. this. Um, she could have easily done that. She didn't, um, but I, I wouldn't take that passage as saying that's now how we should behave yeah. in those kinds of situations because a part of the danger too, we, we also open up a slippery slope um, issue where, okay, well, if you're saying that Rahab did the right thing in that situation, then where is the fine line where we decide where it's okay to lie and when it's not okay? Yeah. Right? So, <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. I mean, it makes us the arbiter of truth. And in that area, you play God. Um, and, and, you know, beyond with the Rahab thing, I, we actually are told explicitly why she was honored, right? So, we know for a fact um, that it had nothing to do with lie. You go to Hebrews eleven thirty one, which I, you know, almost went to earlier. It says, by faith, Rahab the harlot did not perish along with those who were disobedient after she had welcomed the spies in PC. It was her faith in yep. God 
um, right? It 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 had it didn't speak to her actions. It didn't speak to how she did that. Her methodology. So um, if we're going to use Rahab to say God's okay with lying, then we also have to use Rahab to justify prostitution. Uh, because she was also a prostitute. Right. And you don't see God saying anything about prostitution, do you? Yeah, yeah, and so you can't you can't separate those things from the story of Rahab just because God didn't speak to what we know clearly is a sin already. Um, he does this in other places, right? We see sin all throughout Scripture, and sometimes uh, God speaks to it specifically. But here's the reality. God has already spoken to the sin of lying. And so he doesn't need to do it again. We should already know this. Um, it's wow. not the point, but it's something we should already know. And so we, we can't divide those things out. Um, and, and here's the reality. We lie in those circumstances because we don't trust God. Yeah. That, that's just exactly. exactly. Um, God doesn't need your lie. Um, and, and, and I think especially here in, in the West, and it's not just in the West, but uh, if the outcome may cause any suffering of any sort, if it may be painful, if it may be difficult, we can very easily justify a little lie for a whole lot of things because, you know, in our culture, we've sort of come to believe that, um, well, in the prosperity gospel, God wants us to be healthy, wealthy, and never suffer. And that's just not true, uh, right? It would have been easy for the, uh, uh, for the apostles to stand before the council when they said, you know, we, you're not allowed to preach in the name of Jesus anymore. Well, why didn't they lie? It cost them pain and suffering yeah. physically. They could have said, okay, we won't do it. And, and then, and then just and went out and did it, it anyway. Yeah. They could have been killed in that instance. And it was a very real danger. They didn't know exactly what would happen. They'd already killed Christ. Right. Um, but instead they said, they just told the truth. Well, you know, you decide what's right for you, but as for us, we'll obey the Lord. Um, and so they beat them, right, uh, and scourged them, and then they went out and continued to preach in the name of Christ. So we lie very simply because we don't really believe that God is sovereign, so we don't trust him in whatever the outcome will be, and we don't trust that uh, he can do what he wants to do in the midst of it. He can cause people to have blind he can cause people to not see things they should see he can you know cause people to not hear things that they should hear god is still a, a you know he's a grand miraculous god um he, he doesn't need us to sin to help him accomplish his purposes yeah and if i can put my pastoral hat um here uh, on here for a moment um, I will affirm with um, every ounce of my intellectual being that God is in complete and absolute control and that every situation he brings about is intended for his good. And just as 1 Corinthians 10, 13 tells us that, um, you know, God will not tempt us beyond what we are able, but provide us a way through every situation. And I read that to mean that we can find a way to endure any situation in a way that glorifies God, um, not having to resort to any of those methods. Now, I will also say, um, and this is true for me, and I believe this is probably true for everyone, um, I do not at every moment of my life act as if I completely trust in the absolute sovereignty of God. Um, there are moments where I fail. There are moments where I know a lot of people fail. And so I do understand that in certain extreme situations, um, out of fear, out of doubt, um, you may do the wrong thing. And I understand that. That doesn't mean that's not an unforgivable sin. That doesn't 
doesn't mean that if you're at my church, you're going to be excommunicated or that we're going to bring a bunch of people to, to rebuke you or anything like that. Yeah. But it does mean this, that you need to be able to look back and recognize that you did not trust in God's total sovereignty at that moment. Um, ask for forgiveness, um, repent of it. And then even, um, I think you had mentioned in reading Corey Ten Boom's book, because that's often one of the examples given, Corey Ten Boom was not completely comfortable with what she did either, was she? No, she really wasn't. She actually struggled with lying. And in some cases, um, you know, you could see her clearly just trying to justify it because she grew up, you know, in such a way that taught them, you know, that honesty was a thing that God honors, that he expected. And in fact, since we brought that up and that's become, you know, this is one of those very emotional things where the church has kind of adopted the, the world's almost evil strategy in throwing the most, uh, you know, emotional thing at you to try to justify it. Um, it but it just doesn't work that way. And so uh, one of the things, and this always comes up when we talk about telling the truth or deceiving, well, what about the Nazis? Um, it, you know, well, what would you do if, um, you know, a Nazi... A soldier knocked on your door and um, you were hiding Jews. Well, first of all, I don't know what I would do because I, I, I'm never going to experience that situation. Um, but if you're trying to use that situation to justify any sin, you're wrong and you can't do it. Um, and, and so we understand that life is valuable. We want to do what we can to protect life. I get all that, uh, but we have to start with what does God say about these things? So I, I actually just want to read uh, one instance um, in Corey Tin Boone's life where this very thing came up. Um, I, I think, it, you know, p people know that Corey Tin Boone hid uh, Jews. They know that uh, she lied to do that, but, but they don't know all of the struggles um, of righteousness and holiness. So uh, let me see if I can find this real quick here, and then I'll read just a small section of it. Okay, so... Um, just to give you a little background from where I'm going to start, uh, soldiers have knocked on the door. They've come into the house and they're questioning them. And I'll kind of start uh, right there. So uh, this is a soldier speaking. Where are they now? The soldier persisted. Cocky leaned down and began gathering up the broken tea uh, bits of cup. The man jerked her upright. Where are your brothers? The oldest one is at the theological college. He doesn't get home most nights because... What about the other two? Cocky didn't miss a breath. Why? They're under the table. Now, now, before I go on, let me give you a little bit of background. So, Cocky is Corey Tin Boone's niece. She's there as well. And they're uh, at a dinner table. And what they've done is right underneath the floor of the table uh, is a hiding spot. And so, they have them hidden uh, underneath this table, right? So, this is the niece, Cocky. She sa it says, Cocky didn't miss a breath. A breath. Why? They're under the table. Motioning us all away with, uh, from the table with his gun, the soldier seized a corner of the cloth. At a nod from him, the taller man crouched with his rifle cocked. Then he flung back the cloth. At last, the pinup exp uh, tension exploded. Cocky burst into spasms of high hysterical laughter. The soldiers whirled around. Was this girl laughing at them? Don't take us for fools, the short one snarled. Furiously, he strode from the room, and minutes later, the entire squad trooped out. Not unfortunately, before the silent soldier had spied and pocketed our precious packet of tea. And so, you know, she absolutely told the truth. They were under the table. 
Now, after this, uh, a few pages later, or maybe it's the next chapter, they have a dialogue about this. And Corey Tin Boone is like, well, I was afraid because I knew you had been raised to be honest. And surely this was an instant where we could lie. And she didn't lie. Right. And so her sister quotes some scripture to her and basically says, God honors, you know, a truthful tongue. Um, and, and, you know, and so, no, they didn't have to lie. Right now, we can talk about other things, but they were directly under the table. She said they were under the table. Now, this is what's really fascinating. If you aren't really familiar with how things worked um, during that time in that part of history, it, it, it would have been highly unusual that German officers, so these were more than likely Gestapo agents, right? But even if they weren't, it's highly unlikely that these guys who were trained to find secret hidden doors, to look for secret walls, to look for hiding places. It's unusual that they wouldn't have suspected a a door underneath the table. It's strange that they wouldn't have found that or considered that. And yet what we see in this instant is um, God sort of blinding them to what they would have likely discovered otherwise. Right. Um, And this is a case where now did it always work out that way? No. But this is a case where her love for integrity and honesty and her trust in God to use that um, worked out in an incredible way. So did she have to lie? No. And so when people bring up this issue of the Nazi soldiers, I simply say, you know, two things. One, I can't tell you what I would do and you can't either. And two, I can tell you. That lying is always sin, and there have been plenty of instances where those who hid Jews and valued life um, trusted God for the right words to give for wisdom, and they didn't lie, and it, it worked out. And so we have both of those things, which is why we can never use circumstances to prove right or wrong, good or bad. Yeah, you know, and, and it's a different situation, but I think similar principles. I think of when Jesus Christ uh, was talking to his disciples in the upper room, telling them that they're going to receive the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And part of the gift of the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit would tell them what to do in those times that uh, they're standing before kings and being persecuted. Yeah. Now, that's a slightly different situation, but the idea here is that they're going to receive inspiration from the Holy Spirit himself, not to lie, but to actually bear witness to the truth. Um, that would be another situation that if you're going to be pragmatic about it. Well, if I deny Jesus Christ or I say I'm not a Christian in this moment, my life will be spared. Um, But that's not what God calls us to do. He calls us to bear witness in that moment. Um, So I think that's a great example. Uh, Corey Ten Boone's, was it niece, um, her niece um, that that did that? And um, yeah, she she makes a statement and, and perhaps the statement serves to distract them from you know, the more specific truth. And, and this is the thing. She says they're under the table. She doesn't say that they're under the floorboard, um, but they were. But it's still true that they were under the table. And so th- this brings up a, a, another situation, another, um, another point I'd like to make. Some people think that withholding any of the truth is actually telling a lie. 
Well, that's not true either, because we know Jesus Christ, when he was questioned by the authorities before being crucified, he often did not answer their questions. Um, and oftentimes in his confrontations with the Pharisees, he did not answer their questions either. So withholding the truth is not the same thing as lying. Lying is saying something that is, um, that is on its face just untrue. You know, so we can withhold the truth or we can give part of the truth. We're not obligated to uh, give give the entire truth and especially in those kinds of situations. So I think we want to be clear what we mean by lie. It's to say something that is absolutely yeah. untrue. Yeah. And, and maybe a better way to say that might be uh, not giving all the information you have. Right. Yeah. Just because I mean, just just think if you take the position that not giving all of the information you have is a, it means you're lying, then how do you have any conversation with anyone um, and it end? Yeah. Because none of us in our interactions, you know, one says, hey, how are you doing? You say, I'm great, thanks. Well, you're a liar uh, if that's all you said, because surely you have a whole lot more information about how you're doing in that moment, right? It sounds ridiculous when I use it that way, but um, y- you have to go there if you just assume that if you don't give all the information, you're lying. And so, yeah, absolutely in those cases. Um, and, and there are tons of stories. I, again, it, it's sort of like, I think we're learning this now in, in our current climate. Um, you can find, everyone can find stories to support whatever it is they want to believe. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and that's no exception in the Christian life, right? Um, if you want to justify murder, you can twist some stuff and, and justify that, right? Uh, if you want to, whatever it is. Uh, but again, the principle, and, and we're not trying to be harsh here, um, but if you can understand and grasp this, then you can apply it to um, all of the doctrines of Scripture. You can apply it to you know all of these moral questions that we have. And look, at the end of the day, the, the point isn't to just be morally upright, because there will be a lot of people in hell who try to be morally upright, right? So, we're not talking about anything salvific, but for Christians, our heart, our longing, our deepest desire ought to be like Him who saved us, right? It ought to be our desire to be to live a righteous and holy and pleasing life. We understand that, um, like Paul says, Christ died um, for our sins. How now then do we go back to the life of sin? Um, how can we trust in those things that we know were wicked that Christ you know, died for, uh, for us. And so the, the point is to be able to see, um, what, what it means to be holy and to look at these things and say, you know what? I realize as a, I don't always get it right. There, there, there'll be times where I mess up. Um, I mean, Peter was a liar. Uh, he, he lied three times in, in, in a significant way, right? He denied Christ three times. Um, and you know what? We also see that he he paid a burden for that sin, right? Uh, he didn't escape uh, burdenless uh, from that. So we recognize that we we fall and we fall short. But you know, may we never ever justify sin before a holy God uh, because of what we perceive to be a good outcome. May we never do that. We we won't always get things right. Um, and and here's another hard hard reality. Um, the, the Nazi, the, the Nazi empire was evil. They were wicked. Um, no Christian who would have been honest in any given circumstance would have been at fault for the death of someone, right? 
um, it, it would have been on the Nazi soldier, the Nazi regime. Yeah, regime. Right. And so we've got to we've got to kind of separate ourselves from emotion and rightly uh, divide these things, rightly view circumstances. And, and again, it, we're not trying to just uh, create moral, perfect people. We can't get to that. But if you're a believer, then you love holiness and you love righteousness and you want to stay far from those things which Christ had to die. Um, right to to pay for our sins, and so that's that's really the point. Yeah, God said in the book of Leviticus, "You shall be holy, for I am holy." And then Peter ends up quoting that in First Peter chapter one, I think verse thirteen. So that that same truth is applied to us um, that uh, that we are to be holy people. So that is the example, and Jesus Christ is our example. The apostles um, are our examples. The letters that we have written, the epistles, they all serve as good um, examples to us. Now, you made another good point as well that in the case of Corey Ten Boom and being there during Nazi. Germany, um, you, you said, well, um, you don't know what you would have done in that situation, neither do I. And, uh, and it's true, because in these situations where we try to define these exceptions, we define these exceptions in very exceptional cases that are so exceptional um, that I can look back in my life and I don't remember ever a time um, where I can think that this would have been a moral dilemma, um, nor do I know anyone um, personally that has been l- living at a time, can remember, recall any part of their life where this was a moral dilemma. Um, certainly those who are in Nazi Germany coming up against these kinds of situations, uh, they may have uh, felt that uh, that tension. Nevertheless, so I mean, my point is that we're, we're making an exception over something that in all likelihood will never actually confront. Um, but even if you do confront it, it really does come down to how much do you trust God? And when we start to make sacrifices, so when we start to say, okay, in this case, it's okay, what we're doing we are sacrificing the moral perfection of God for pragmatism. Okay, we're we're mm-hmm. we're basically favoring pragmatism. Now, being pragmatic um, by itself is not sinful. Um, we make a lot of situ- we make a lot of decisions daily that are more pragmatic. Um, but we what we are not to do, or we are not to compromise um, our Christian character and Christian ethics for the sake of pragmatism. And when we do that, um, when we do that, we open up a dangerous door to justifying pragmatism in other situations. And so that that's just uh, that's just a door that you don't want to open. And once again, we're not perfect. There's going to be those moments where we didn't trust God the way we ought to. You know, we ask forgiveness, we repent of those things. Um, but certainly what we don't want to do is to justify um, not trusting in God. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, let, let's just go back to Ananias and Sapphira. And I like that. Uh, it, it, that ought to put a healthy fear of God in our lives. Well, first of all, you know, this is New Testament. This isn't the Old Testament. Um, so people can't go to the argument that, you know, God was a harsh God in the Old Testament. Um, we, we That's not yeah. true anyway. Uh, but this is New Testament, right? The, the beginning of the church. Um, and just consider the fact that God took their life for a lie. Um, if God wanted to do that today, he certainly still could, right? Um, and, and a little white lie, we might say even. And and the reason it's significant uh, to consider that is because it shows the holiness of God and just how wicked something that we as human beings don't really consider as wicked, 
right? And so when God says lying is an abomination, he really means that. Um, it, I think it's yeah. God's grace, right, that he doesn't do that, or, you know, maybe he would have to, he would return already because we'd all be dead. Um, because I don't know anyone who can say that they've lived a life, uh, even their Christian life, without a single lie or deception. Right. And so we right. own that and we repent of that, but may we never excuse that. Um, right. We just can't do it, right? Yeah, and, and for so for anyone that is worried about us being overly legalistic or, or suggesting that you can be perfect in this life, no, you can't be. Um, you're not going to be perfect until Christ returns and raises you up um, in, in glorified bodies. Um, but uh, like you said, uh, we don't want to justify um, what is dishonoring to God. Um, so we strive for perfection, knowing that we can't hit it. Yeah. Um, it's just like for those of you who play sports, you know, we know that free throw shooters, there's no such thing as a 100% free throw shooter. There's no such thing as a batter that hits 100% of the balls that um, are thrown his way. Um, but that's still the goal. Each and every time you want to be able to hit the shot or hit that ball. Um, so we as Christians, we are aiming to be like Christ. We're aiming to be like God and to be able to model his character in as perfect of a way as possible, knowing that we're going to fall short. So it's not about saying that you must be perfect all the time, but it is um, saying that you shouldn't justify when you are not perfect, when you do fail, when, you know, because we often come up with these statements like, well, I'm only human. And, and I think to say I'm only human is, is basically a way to try to cover up the truth that you're a sinner. Um, well, by saying that you're a human, you're essentially a sinner. Um, and, and that's true. So if we can embrace that truth and recognize that when we fall short, you know, we repent of that, we ask for forgiveness, um, knowing that we have it. Um, but that's different than saying that we must be perfect all the time. And that's different from saying that we can justify moments of weakness uh, with pragmatism. Yeah, you never see the Apostle Paul justifying his sin. And in, in his life, as he gets older, increasingly, you see him talking about how wicked of a sinner he is. Um, yeah. You know, you see repentance. You see that uh, that internal struggle, and that's really what we have, right? I mean, Paul, he struggles with the sin in him and the spirit in him, and he gives us that clear battle that, as a believer, we ought to have. And so when we do sin, uh, no matter what it is, right, if, if, if it's lying, if it's uh, cheating on your taxes, if it, whatever it is, there ought to be a healthy, godly internal battle because we have the Spirit of God in yeah. us, and yet we still battle the flesh. Um, when that battle no longer happens in us, uh, th then we should be concerned, right? I think when we can start sinning and there's um, there's just justification, there's no internal struggle. That's when we, you know, like Scripture says, maybe look at ourselves to see whether we be in the faith or not. That should be there. Um, and so, yeah, if you're if you're a believer and and you lie, stop it. Uh, it's a choice, right? Trust God, and I and I, I know that's uh, sometimes it's easier said than than done. But just know that um, it's not righteous, it's not holy, it's not okay before God. We should pursue um, good, holy, righteous things, and and we need to learn the difference between what's wisdom. Uh, right? Sometimes wisdom is that you don't give all the information you have. In fact. Many times, right? It's just yeah, wise right. not to give all the information you have. Um, and it, you have to judge your own heart whether you have a heart of a deceitful intention in that or not. Right. right. Um, you know, so we won't deal with that really here because you could get into all kind of minutia there. Um, 
but lying deceit clear from scripture um it's it's something that is an abomination if you fulfilled the whole law and you lied it would be enough to damn you for all of eternity yeah yeah, I, exactly. I, James says, even if you break the law on one point, you're, you're guilty of it all. So we recognize that it is from these things that we are redeemed by Jesus Christ. Um, it's not for the purpose of being able to go back and, and to be able to do those things again. Um, and again, the extreme examples, I was just thinking someone else mentioned, let's say you've got um, some serial rapist that's chasing after a woman that's uh, running for her life. And she, you know where she is, and uh, they come asking you, where is she? You know, in that situation, you don't have to answer that question. Um, you know, you, you can very well tell them to get lost. Um, I'm not going to help you. Um, you're not going to get any answers from me, even if I knew where she was. There's a variety of ways that you can answer that. And it's not lying by not telling them, even though you may know where the young lady would be. Yeah. Um, so we, we just have to have wisdom um, and exercise that wisdom. Again, if there was someone in my church that had gone through a Corey Ten Boom had gone, gone through and came and spoke to me afterwards, look, I'm not going to rebuke, I'm not going to bring her up for church discipline or say, how dare you or call her a weak Christian or anything like that. Um, but I would talk to her about um, trusting God, um, you know, and, uh, and and hopefully that uh, she would have felt that uh, the kind of um, the, the kind of angst and anxiety over that decision that we saw in, in that book at, um, that, uh, that, that you read. You didn't read that part to us, but uh, she did agonize them over that uh, situation, that decision. So we're just, what we're trying to get at, we just want to hold the line on what is good and true. And uh, we want to maintain what we are expected as followers of Christ. Are we perfect? We are not. But when we're imperfect, we admit that we're imperfect. We don't say that uh, the imperfection was necessary for pragmatic reasons. Yeah. So, you know, live your life knowing and agreeing with the word of God. And when and if those very difficult situations come up, it, you, you know what's true. You trust, uh, you know, that God will give you the wisdom to work through that. If you sin in the midst of it, if you mess up, you know, then the response is repentance, right? And so what, what I call Corey Ten Boone uh, to repentance for that, Absolutely. Um, but, you know, we, we don't just, uh, exer- it, there's not church discipline the first time people mess up, right, typically. Um, and, and so you treat it like everything else. Uh, there, there's grace, there's uh, biblical education, there's, you know, working through those things. Um, and, and, so, uh, and so we're on board with that. And, and Corey Tin Boone got those very same things from her family, right? So yeah. it, go through and, and read the whole book, The Hiding Place. You see her internal struggle with lying because she knew it was wrong, right? Um, you see yeah. her sister pointing her uh, to truth saying, look, we know God honors truth. We, we know that we can't lie. Um, and, and you know what? We see that they both suffered greatly for doing good works. Um, and yeah, but we still have to be able to say what God says. Uh, you know, if you can justify lying, you can justify abortion. Most of our hearers would not be on board with justifying abortion, but that's the very same way many professing Christians justify abortion is this is the way many professing Christians justify lying. And we can't do that. 
Um, and in the end, we have to trust in God's sovereignty. And so I, I just want to say, as we kind of wrap up here, and then we'll turn it over to you, brother, uh, before we close, I, I am deeply disturbed by the number of folks who I, I hope they've just never really thought this through. Um, if, if you have a hot habit of justifying lying because you believe it produces a good outcome, then just right now, I, you know, I would plead that you repent of that. You recognize what the scripture teaches. You recognize that it's abomination before the Lord. You repent of that. And look, you get up and you move forward, um, trusting uh, that God will give you wisdom, trusting that he honors truth, and trusting that uh, if if not lying produces an outcome that uh, you don't think is favorable, that that you'll trust God's working in the midst of that too, right? Because we we don't get out of this life without suffering for truth, without um, you know negative consequences to our bodies, our lives. The apostles and the early church is a great example of that. The church in most of the rest of the world, to be quite honest, um, lives at risk of life and limb just for telling the truth that truth being that they follow Christ. Right. Um, and so, yeah. Any last words, brother? Yeah. Trusting in God's sovereignty. And um, this discussion wasn't about soteriology, but we often talk about God's sovereignty over salvation. Um, It's the old uh, Calvinism versus Arminianism kind of debate. And if you truly trust in God's sovereignty, you can come to no other conclusion than what we're saying here in this podcast. If you do not believe in God's total sovereignty, you see the pitfalls of what happens. You start to come to pragmatic decisions. You start to conclude that God needs your help some somehow, not only in your salvation, but also in making these kinds of decisions um, in life. And it's just going to lead you towards um, t- towards a direction that's not going to be honoring to, to God. Um, so, all that to say that um, th- this is one of those many examples of why affirming, understanding, and affirming God's sovereignty and goodness, especially for those who love him and are called according to his purpose, is so critical for our life and these decisions that we make day to day. Amen. So stop lying, trust God, and until next time, let the truth be known. The Truth Be Known podcast is a theologically driven, gospel-centered program serving the body of Christ by bringing biblical truth to bear on issues facing the church today. Subscribe to the Truth Be Known podcast by using the podcast app on your Apple or Android device or listen online at strivingforeternity.org in the podcast section.